We're going to read from God's precious word this evening, and we're turning to the Gospel of John and to the chapter 5. The Gospel of John and the chapter 5, and in the portion of Scripture that we're going to read together, we read of a great miracle, a miracle performed by the Lord, and it was a miracle of healing. And we're going to read of that miracle of healing, John chapter 5 and the verse 1. And let us follow together in God's word and that the Lord might speak to us through his precious word. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. We land there at verse 16. And may the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. Can we turn together in God's Word to John's Gospel in the chapter 5, the portion of Scripture that we have read together. 
And I just say as you're turning up the portion that during my absence while I'm on holiday, if any issue arises where a minister is needed, do please contact any member of our session and they in turn will be able to get in touch with me or with the minister who would be able to step in in that situation. In John chapter 5, we've been reading here of this miracle of healing. And we're going to come to this passage in the gospel and let us just unite together in prayer as we consider this miracle of healing. Our heavenly Father and our gracious God, we do thank thee for thy presence with us today. We rejoice, O God, in thy precious word and even in the instruction that thou hast given to us. And we pray that even now, as we would consider this portion of Scripture together, that I would know that needed help from heaven, the promised Holy Spirit of God, the one who is the author of this book. May he come, may he reveal the very things of God to us, and grant that in everything that is said and done, that the Savior himself would be honored and would receive all the glory. We know our Father that there's a woe that would hang over us tonight. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And therefore give that spirit of wisdom, that spirit of understanding, and that spirit of power this evening. And glorify thy name in and through us. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, the miracle of healing that we have read about in this chapter of God's Word is one of the most powerful miracles performed by the Lord Jesus Christ as he walked upon this earth. It took place at the pool. There's a pool there at a place called Bethesda, not very far from Jerusalem. And Bethesda was by the sheep market or by the sheep gate, and there in the five porches there was a great multitude who gathered there. And that multitude, they are described collectively as impotent folk. And that is, they are there because of their disability. Some of them are blind. Some of them are halt. Some of them are withered. And they're all gathered there, sheltering in the five porches, there beside the pool of Bethesda at the sheep gate or the sheep market, and they're waiting. And they're waiting for the moving of the water. It seems to be on a certain occasion that the water would be stirred. And then when the water was stirred and the water was troubled, the first individual to get into the water after the stirring of the water, they were cured of whatever ailment they had. Now that's a strange account for us in God's Word. That's a strange thing that we would read about, but it is recorded here in God's holy word that that's actually what happened at this particular time. There was healing at the pool. John Calvin said this was a token 
It was a token to the Jews since the last of the prophets that God had not entirely left them. And it seems to be that the power of God was displayed on these occasions as a token that God had not abandoned his people. Here was a token of his power. Some say this miracle took place once a year. We don't know. Some say that this miracle ceased after the Savior healed this particular individual. Some say that it ceased after the Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary. We don't know when it ceased, but we can say tonight it has ceased. We know tonight that there are no particular miracles of this fashion. They have ceased. The Roman Catholic Church would seek to teach us other ways. They would tell us about places like Lourdes in France. And they say that the Virgin Mary appeared there a number of times. And that has become a great place of pilgrimage. In fact, as six million visitors per year go to that place. And they believe that there's healing in the waters there at Lourdes. And they can either bathe in the water or they can drink the water. And they're flocking there to that place. The Roman Catholic Church would teach of holy water. They say tonight there's no such thing. And these things are a delusion of the devil. And God is not in it. And I want you to note here in this particular miracle that we have read about this evening that the focus is not upon the water because the Lord here did not use the water. The Lord came and he just commanded this man to to rise up and to take up his bed and to walk and immediately that man was healed. So we're not concerning ourselves with the water rather with the power of God. The verses 5 through to 9 would give us the detail of that healing, how the Lord healed this impotent man. And as we have read about that this evening, there are a number of observations that I would bring before you from this particular scene. When you think about it there, just at the sheep gate at the pool of Bethesda and this great multitude of impotent folk that have gathered there. The first observation I would make is the misery of sin. The misery of sin. It seems that as the Savior visited this particular place, he begins to walk through the great multitude, through the crowd that was there. He's walking through the five porches, and as he walks through this particular place, he is met by a great scene of misery. It's a very sad picture. It's a very sad sight to behold. 
In fact, I'm sure as the Savior walked through that great multitude, he would not only see the misery, but he would hear it as well. There would be a groaning of individuals whose body was filled and riddled uh, with pain. Misery. Sometimes we walk through a care home, walk through a hospital ward, you cannot help but see the misery. Individuals who are gravely ill. And yet when we think of the scenes of misery, we would have to say that God did not create man in such a state. Whenever God created man, God created man in the garden and he was perfect man. He was in a pristine condition and he was the crowning pinnacle of God's creation. There was no illness. There was no sickness. No aches and pains. No disease. There was no death. Dear, as we picture in our mind's eye this evening the five porches at the pool of Bethesda and the great multitude of impotent folk, what a scene of misery. And what a change there has been since God created man. And we would have to say tonight, an enemy has done this. And the enemy that has done this is the enemy of sin and Satan. In Romans 5 and 12, the Apostle Paul explains it. For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And it was the entrance of sin that brought such misery. Until sin had come into the world, there was no illness, there was no disease, there was no death. And if sin had never entered, man would never have known what it is to have a pain nor an ache. But every disease and every disability and every deformity and even death itself reminds us that we are a fallen race, that man has fallen into sin And there are many consequences because of the curse of sin. It would seem with this particular individual that's before us tonight in this chapter that his condition may have been as a direct result of his sinful lifestyle. We don't know that. But we could suggest that when we read the words of verse 14... Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and saith unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. And it would seem to at least suggest to us that this man may have been impotent all this time because of a sinful lifestyle or a particular act of sin that left them in such a condition misery. You'll be sure tonight to learn the lesson that sin brings misery. You notice the categories that are described in this particular chapter of that great multitude that was there. 
beside the pool. Verse 3 says, In these days lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered. That threefold description of them really gives to us a picture of the sinner who's unconverted and outside of Christ. They're blind, they're halt, they're withered. The physical, literal condition that's described there really represents the condition of sinful man. They're blind, blinded by the God of this world. They sit in ignorance and in darkness. Spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness is illustrated to us here as you think of the Savior and he's walking through this great multitude of people, but they fail to see the Savior's in their midst. They fail to see that Jesus is passing this way. They're blind. Blind to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is there. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Blind and halt, unable to walk. Surely that describes sinful man in his natural estate. We're unable to walk before God as spiritually. Fallen man. Fallen into depravity and into sin. And they cannot walk before the Lord. Proverbs 4 and the verse 19 says, The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. The way of the wicked is as darkness. And the third description that's given there in the verse 3 is that of withered. Surely that's a reference to the limbs. There were those there whose limbs, their arms and their legs had withered. And therefore they were rendered as useless. They were in a, a condition of paralysis. Hands and feet. They're blind. They're halt, they're unable to walk, their limbs are withered, unable to work. Doesn't that really represent how man in his natural estate stands before Almighty God with blinded eyes? We're unable to see spiritually. We're halt spiritually. We're unable to, to walk before God and, and with withered hands and feet, as it were. We're unable to work and to serve the Lord. And here's this particular man, and he's in the midst of this crowd, this great multitude. The misery of sin is all around, and verse 5 tells us how long. Thirty and eight years. For 30 and 8 years he has been in this particular condition. I would go into the prison for some chaplaincy work, and I've been doing that for over 20 years, and I've got to know some of the individuals there very well. So one particular man would come to mind tonight. He's been sentenced to a minimum of 30 years. 30 years. 
And for now, he has served 18 of those years. He's over the halfway stage. I have known him for the most of those 18 years. My, that's a long time. And he still has another 12 yet to serve. But here's a man who's even longer. 38 years. He has been in this particular condition. And he's described in verse 7 as the impotent man. And therefore, he is an individual who is without strength. That's what that word impotent means. He's without strength. And in Romans 5 and verse 6, the apostle writes, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. What a picture there is here in this particular miracle. We see the misery of sin. And there the Lord Jesus Christ is at that location and he's surrounded with the misery of sin. But secondly, I want you to think about the mercy of the Savior. He's at Bethesda. And that word actually means house of mercy. That's the meaning of that particular word. It's a house of kindness or it's a house of mercy. And all of those individual folk are gathered there. And here's the Lord. And he comes into their midst. And the Lord is walking amongst them. And the Lord is on a mercy mission. The Lord has come to a man who's in need of mercy. You notice the words of verse 6. It says, when Jesus saw him lie. The Lord saw him lying there. Maybe not many others noticed him. But the Lord saw him. And the Lord has been seeking him out. The Lord is coming to this particular individual. And the Lord wants to show him mercy. The Lord wants to show him kindness. I read about David in the Old Testament concerning Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was one who was lame through a fall. And David, as the king, wanted to seek out Mephibosheth. Why? He said that I might show the kindness of God to him. Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And he's seeking out the impotent man and he wants to show him kindness. He wants to show him mercy. All around are people who are desiring to to be healed. That's why they're in this particular place and the Lord is walking through them there. But what amazed me as I looked at this portion of Scripture was that there was no uh, cry to the Lord. No one was crying out to the Lord as he, he passed that way. No one was reaching out to the Savior. We, we don't read of that in this chapter. Had they have cried out, I believe the Lord would have healed them. Had they reached out to him, I believe the Lord would have showed them mercy. You remember blind Bartimaeus. 
And as the Lord passed by that way where he was at the highway side begging and he heard that it was the Lord Jesus Christ, he began to cry out. And he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He was looking to the Lord for mercy. He cried out for mercy. And the Lord healed him of his blindness. I can recall the woman with the issue of blood. And there's a great multitude there. But she reaches out to the Savior. And she touches the hem of his garment. And in an instant, immediately, she was made whole. And the gospel says she reached out and touched him. And so we can read of those in the Bible like Bartimaeus and they cried out to the Lord for mercy. We can read of those like the woman with the issue of blood and they reached out to the Lord for mercy. But here there's no shouts go out. Here there's no reaching out to the Savior. And he's passing this way. Sometimes that's how it is in the gospel meeting. The Lord Jesus Christ can be present by the power of his Spirit in the gospel meeting, and the Savior, every time the gospel is preached, can pass this way. Is there one tonight would cry out to the Lord for mercy? Is there one that would reach out by faith to embrace the Lord Jesus as he's freely offered in the gospel? The Lord is ready. He's ready to show mercy tonight. The Lord is ready to save. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. The Savior could be passing this way tonight. As he passed through here at Bethesda, he singles out this individual. The Lord searched him out. The Lord sought him out. The Lord singled him out. I'm sure later this man would have wondered, why did he single me out? Why should I be singled out from all the rest? Everyone here tonight that's saved, we say the same thing. We can't understand that. While the Lord has singled us out, the Lord has saved our souls. But Jesus saw this man lie. Verse 6 goes on to say, And he knew that he had been now a long time in that case. And so the Lord not only saw this man, but it says the Lord knew. The Lord knew all about this individual. And the Lord is coming this very way to seek out this particular individual. The Lord saw him and the Lord knew all about him. That's an encouragement tonight to each one of us. Maybe even those that would be suffering. Maybe some at home tonight that would be shut in. Isn't it good to know that the Lord Jesus Christ sees you right where you are? The Lord Jesus Christ knows you tonight and he knows what your struggles are. He knows what your battles are. He's able to come right to where you are. Thank God he can visit each and every individual. The Lord seeks out this man. He sees him. He knows all about him. And he asks him a question. 
And he said to him there at the end of verse 6, Wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole? Of course, the reason he was there is that he wanted to be made whole. But as he explained to the Lord, when those waters were troubled, he had no one to help him and no one to put him into the water. And while he had that desire to be made whole, he probably thought after 38 years, oh, it's impossible, it's never going to happen now. Even though he wanted to be freed from his condition, he probably thought in his heart, it's never going to happen to me. Sometimes the individual soul can be like that. Maybe you've sat under the gospel for many's a long day. Maybe the Lord has challenged your heart and at times you have felt the Holy Spirit of God striving with you, bringing you under conviction of sin and you would have a desire in your heart tonight to get saved, but you would say, I've left it too long. I've left it too late. It's been too many years that have passed. It's impossible. No, the Lord would say to you tonight, wilt thou be made whole? And I say tonight, the Lord is able. The Lord is ready. And the Lord is willing. And I thank God for that time when the Lord singled me out. And those tonight who were saved in this meeting, you're thankful for the time when the Lord singled you out. But oh, that there would be another soul or even souls tonight and that they would come by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ and they would experience his mercy tonight. The mercy that is revealed to us at Calvary. Mercy there was great. Grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. And you can come tonight and close in with the Lord's offer of mercy. And so this passage that we have considered just a little together, it reveals to us the misery of sin. And it reveals to us the mercy of the Savior. But it reveals the miracle of salvation. You see the verses 8 and 9. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Savior gave this man a command, and he commanded him to rise. That seems a strange thing. The man who's without strength, the man who's impotent, the man who wasn't able to get himself into the pool. And the Lord said to him, rise. You see, sin had pulled this man down, but the Lord was going to raise this man up by his almighty power. The Lord lifts us up. The Lord gives us the strength to stand. Psalmist David said in the Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. 
He brought me up also out of an horrible pit and out of the merry clay, and he has set my feet upon a rock, and he's established my goings. And the Lord is able to lift you up tonight and to give you that grace to rise up uh, from your sinful condition and to come to Christ. Rise, take up thy bed. The bed that had carried him all these years, he's now got the strength to carry the bed. He's got a new strength, and it's a strength from the Lord. It's a miracle of grace. He's got a new standing. He's now up on his feet. The power of God. You notice there, he's now able to walk. And he's walking before the Lord. Immediately the man was made whole, verse 9 says. It's instantaneous. The Lord has done the great miracle of grace here. A man who of himself was powerless. He's able to rise up. He's able to take up his bed. And he's able to walk. That's a wonderful picture of God's salvation. What the Lord does for the sinner. Man who's dead in trespasses and in sins. Man who is spiritually blind and spiritually halt and spiritually withered. The Lord is able to give them the power to, to rise up and to turn from their sinful condition and to turn in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ and to know the cleansing power of his precious blood. My, it's not water tonight. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners who plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. You could rise up tonight spiritually and you could know what it is to walk with the Lord and to walk before the Lord. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away and all things are become new. You could be given a new direction to go tonight. A direction that leads to heaven and leads to home. You could be saved from death and hell. And you could be made ready for heaven tonight. And you would have the powerful testimony that as we read on in this chapter, this man had the testimony He's able to say there in verse 15, that man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. The miracle, the power of the Lord, the miracle of grace and God's salvation, the Lord is able to make us every whit whole. The prayerful desire of God's people here that the Lord, by the power of his Spirit, would single out some individual and would bring them to an end of themselves and would give them the grace just to step out on the promise and to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and to know the cleansing of their sin and the covering of the Savior's precious blood and to know tonight with assurance it is well with their soul. I remember speaking to an unsaved man 
and he remains unsaved to this day. But he spoke about a gospel mission that was coming to the area. And he said he would go to the gospel mission. But when the time came, he didn't want to go by himself, so he asked one of his friends if his friend would accompany him to the gospel mission. The friend was also unsaved. And so both of them went together to the mission. And the man who had been invited by his friend to go, he got saved. The man whose idea it was to go in the first place, he's still not saved. And the Lord comes and he, he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. And he will have compassion on whom he will have compassion. And the Lord could single you out tonight. And the Lord could speak personally and powerfully to your heart. And this night could be the night of your salvation. May the Lord give to you that deciding grace.